हेलो एवरीवन दिस इज कथक का चक्कर माय नेम इज प्रमित एंड दिस प्लेस इज डिजाइन टुडे आई हैव विद सेंट्रल प्लेटफार्म she combines her love for rhythm and music with swift movement and emotive expression as a kathak dancer having trained in bharatnatyam and vocal music from a young age she started learning kathak with amina khayam in 2012 and toured nationally and internationally with the company's production of yerma from 2013 to 2015 sital has a passion for education work and has been involved in many projects and performances For the past five years, Sital has been focusing on developing her Kathak practice under Shrimati Aditi Sen, and has also been seeking guidance from Guru Pandit Rajendra Gangani for intensive periods in India, Switzerland, and the UK. Sital, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, it's pretty dark and cold here in the UK. So <laughs> just trying to, yeah, just trying to. Uh, keep awake <laughs> keep uh, lively yeah yes it's getting kind of cold here as well it's hard uh, i'm still fighting the urge to get my gloves out but yeah i know my hands get really cold when i'm like working and uh, that's the worst thing <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, see there i guess since you're based out of the uk just want to start off the bat from there can you tell us a little bit about the scene of kathak in the uk Yeah, it's really vibrant actually. I feel really lucky to live in the UK. Whenever I go to India or speak to people from India, they're always like, "Oh, you guys are so lucky that you have, you know, Arts Council of England. You have all of these government like funding uh bodies and um the money in the arts culture is there, you know, to some extent to support the sector." So, from that, we have kind of organizations um like Sonia Sabri company that's a Kathak company obviously Akram Khan company is one of the biggest Balbir Singh dance company as well they use Kathak as a kind of starting point for a lot of their work and then apart from that there's a, there's a really vibrant like independent dance sector um teachers you know teaching in different cities i think london is quite popular so there's a lot of teachers who have done a lot of work over the years um so many years like 40 50 years you know plus of of work in the UK teaching kathak and from that there's been some amazing students that have come come out from that some from the teachers so um vidya patel has you know been on this bbc young dancer competition along with sham dadani and couple of other dancers so in that way there is a certain amount of visibility in the UK um when it comes to kathak but uh still there's a long way to go i think <laughs> okay uh, so then kind of to build off of that when you say there's a long way to go what what is the next thing you think that needs to be done um i think in terms of kathak training there's certain things that are uh, in place you know there's some great exam syllabuses we have um the imperial society for teachers of dance so it's kind of like an international dance examination board and through some really 
kind of pioneering work by a number of dancers in Bharatanatyam and Gathak, they managed to kind of get the Gathak and Bharatanatyam syllabus into, into ISTD, we call it. So in that sense, we have some good uh, visibility and, and syllabus there for teaching and training. But I think when it comes to music and rhythm and tal and, you know, understanding of rag and all those musical aspects of Gathak, sometimes it's quite difficult to instill those things in this context in the UK you know, where we don't have like an institution like Gathagendra um, and there's maybe not those spaces where musicians and dancers can interact and, and learn from each other um, in the same way. So that's one thing that I feel would be great to have in the UK is a bit more um, in interaction and kind of cross-pollination between dance and music because I just feel like Gathak is so embedded in, in music so um it will be good to to have that okay so on that note uh, since we're talking about musicians and dancers meeting more when it comes to specifically the uk uh, what do you think it'll take for that to happen um i think it would be amazing to have kind of like gurukul setups you know or like i don't know i know katakendra i've i visited there a couple of times and it's kind of like a cross between an institution and a gurukul. <laughs> it's quite interesting because, mm-hmm. you know, the students are there and um, the gurus are there and my guruji, Pandit Rajendra Ganganiji, is there like throughout the day and the students are kind of around him, listening to him. He's sharing stories and you see him every day and more or less. And it's um, it's quite interesting. So I think if there's some way we can have something like that where even if it's, I guess, for regular intensive periods, it doesn't have to be like um, a full-time thing, but where you have musicians working with dancers um, on a regular basis, even if it's kind of intensive time. So everyone comes together, you know, the musicians are there in the class, the guru's there, the students are there, and then you have these... um, this kind of intensive training environment where you have music and and everything around. I I know that there's there's certain summer schools and and people have organized things, but it doesn't seem to be happening on kind of a consistent basis. When I mean consistent, I kind of mean, you know, every other month or like every three months, every six months or every quarter, you know, just a little bit more regularity, I think, and consistency with musicians would be really good. Okay, and so when you when you get that kind of those intensive periods, when you get that regularity, how do you feel it adds to your Kathak repertoire or your practice? Uh, I think it's huge. Um, I think for me, and I don't know how other dancers feel, but personally, it's like Kathak is a manifestation of music for me. So the body becomes this transmission of of music so your feet are you know dancing the rhythm and your body is is communicating what the music is trying to communicate as well it becomes that vehicle for that so for me it's like the more I go into music the more it enhances my dance um 
so it's it's a huge reservoir of um enrichment and like um guruji always says he says you know with everything you need the sur should always be there the sur is like the purity of the the note but it's that beauty of music that beauty of sound that beauty of the nikas like the the effect that um the dance has and i think the more that the dancer understands and embodies and is embedded in music the more that the dance becomes effective and musical and expressive and powerful ultimately okay that really helps with that and i guess my next question would be about uh, since you talked about pandit rajendra gangani ji can you tell us a little bit about your training and background in kathak yeah sure um i've had a bit of an unusual um uh entry into kathak um i think because i mean i was surrounded by indian classical music and dance when i was younger my uh, mom uh joined an organization called south asian arts uk so that charity uh still runs music and dance classes and summer schools and um projects and and concerts uh so i was kind of surrounded by that and um i just uh that was founded by my now father-in-law <laughs> so i kind of um is still is surrounded by the kind of indian classical music and and dance culture so that's what i was growing up in and um from that i learned bharatanatyam my friend and i joined a bharatanatyam class and that was you know once a week it was more for fun and i don't, I don't think at the time i really knew what <laughs> i was doing um and i trained in hindustani vocal music i trained in west western classical vocal music so opera so i always had that kind of musical interest um but when i went to university i joined the classes with amina khayam she teaches in in london and that was just awesome i just loved it i just thought i'm at university and i'm just you know sitting reading writing researching and i need to move my body i need to do something so um the kata classes were really great for that and i think because i had that background in music or indian classical music i picked up the tal and and the lay pretty pretty smoothly in in some senses so then when i finished university she asked me if i wanted to join her company and they were creating this production called yarma at the time and uh it was like a kathak and contemporary dance and theater production so she trained me like you know to get me ready for that kind of production she really gave me so much and it it was just amazing uh she trained me for about 3 months it was kind of a 5 days a week intensive training in kathak and and uh, she got me ready for that and um i just fell in love from then like with the whole intensity of it i loved dancing i loved being on tour i loved being part of the company and doing kathak every single day for at least a year and after that i just thought i really want to you know develop myself in kathak more and more and and go deeper into it so i 
started from ABCs <laughs> and I, I wanted that old school Guru Shishya Parampara experience. Mm-hmm. So my my teacher, I I found um, her name is Aditi Sen. She teaches in Liverpool and uh, she lived close to me at the time so I started learning from her and really enjoyed it she's really strong when it comes to Thal and Lei and Tayari um having kind of grown up in Calcutta and more of the Jaipur Karana um teachers she's she's learned from as well as Guruji so she introduced me to Guruji when I went to India I went to meet him and uh yeah the rest is history basically I'm just I've just been learning from Aditi Ji and Guruji for uh, both of them, really, from uh, I think it was since 2015. So, yeah, it's been about five, five years now, five, six years of regularly training with Aditi Ji. Um, she's my main source of Thalim and, and then Guruji is that kind of intensive next level. <laughs> um, whenever I can learn from him, I do. Yeah. Okay, and I guess I'm kind of curious about this. Can you give us an insight as to when you say intensive, what happens in those intensive workshops with Guruji? Yeah, I guess geographically and, you know, logistically, he's he's far away. He's in, He teaches at the Katakendra in Delhi. And um, so I I try and visit there when I can. Last year I went for, a, for about a month. And um, when he comes to Switzerland, he usually comes every year. For about three or four days, he comes and teaches in Switzerland. And um, it's really, I mean, in Switzerland, it's more of a kind of Gurukul environment because we're all staying together and uh, he's teaching, I think, two sessions throughout the day. But then we all have dinner together. We go on walks together. We cook together. We clean up together. We just relax in the evening together. So that gives you that kind of glimpse into a little bit of the kind of Guru Shishya training or environment and that's that's really magical um and amazing because it's such a beautiful place Switzerland as well um in India it's uh for me because I've grown up in the UK it's a whole intensive uh cultural experience for me you know um I'm born and brought up in the UK I speak a little bit of Punjabi, a little bit of Hindi. I, I understand most of it, but I, I'm an NRI essentially, like, <laughs> you know. Um, so going to India, you know, you just get that. You're just a sponge. Like I'm just a massive sponge while I'm there. I'm absorbing the, the language, the culture, the idioms, like the idiosyncrasies of the culture, the, the religious rituals of the culture you know every morning in in Guruji's class he's doing puja in the morning just watching him observing how he is how he thinks how he teaches and I think the intensity of it is that you know he's he's um uh Garanedhar like he's he's the withholder of his Garana of his lineage for so many generations and that knowledge is something so so precious and so um sacred that when you're learning from him you know you have to pay attention like your ears hmm. your eyes your ears your 
your body, every single like cell in your body is right. buzzing and like open to receive as much as possible from him. So I think that's why it's intensive. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I love how you described that. And I guess just coming to the next topic then, Asital, um, since we, one of the things we've spoken about discussing here is the the whole the about south asian women in dance and how that's important to you and can you tell us a little bit about that topic yeah sure i think it's something that i've uh, drawn a lot of inspiration from personally um as i said as a kind of um british born indian um you try and connect to the culture in whatever ways you can in whatever ways make sense to you and uh I remember even when I, when I was learning Bharatanatyam, like when I was a teenager, I learned about Rukmini Devi and Kalakshetra and where Bharatanatyam came from, like the Devadasis. And it started, you know, as a, as, a, as a woman myself, you start to think about who are these women, like what, you know, the role models and uh, in, in South Asian culture um, and history. I've always been really interested in history and heritage um and politics for that matter because that shapes history so i came across a couple of articles about the notch girls and there was um a law that was passed uh, in the british uh, rule of india during their their time there where it was like the anti notch movement and they banned you know these practices of women courtesans or um the wives dancing um in the context that they were dancing, whether that's, you know, for upper classes or lower classes or in whatever context. So, and how that impacted their livelihoods and, and their art form and then the kind of recognition and respect that they got as well. And uh, that just fascinated me. And it still fascinates me to this day, you know, what we think about Shringar and eroticism and shame and women and, uh, their role in society and how they should be dancing or shouldn't be dancing. Um, all of these questions are still very relevant. And um, I think for Kathak, for Indian classical dance, I, I always feel it's important to acknowledge the, the wives and um, their contribution to these art forms and not just say like, oh, it's an ancient art form that started in the thousands and thousands of years ago in the Natya Shastra and, like, it was ordained by, you know, so-and-so. Um, but actually, just talking about the reality of the political history of these art forms is so interesting and so important to recognise. Um, and, yeah, it, it plays into the whole nationalism narrative of India as well. I just, I, yeah, I, I think it's important to acknowledge the nuance and not just say that these art forms are kind of ancient mystical uh, relics of the past. Yeah. So, um, Sital, when you talk about the history of Kathak that way, and when you talk about it in, in say, UK versus India, what kind of reactions have you found? I don't know it's quite curious a lot of the time I find in India it's not often um, acknowledged that the these women 
these women are not spoken about that much from what I've seen, you know, when I've attended concerts in India and people have introduced Kathak as an art form and they've been talking about this, you know, what is Kathak? Um, it's often just, you know, it's an ancient art form. Um, storytellers of, they used to tell stories of the Mahabharata and all of these things are said um, and the word Katha um, and all of that, it's it's all mentioned, but I never really see them spoken about explicitly, these, these women. So I'm really, really intrigued and I'm still researching about who they are and and um, what the Kathak we practice now and the Kathak that we learn, how has it been influenced and shaped by them? That's something really, really interesting for me. Okay. And since we're talking about issues... In your opinion, what are the current issues in Kathak that women face? Um, I mean, I think I'm I'm in a little bit of a bubble. Like I'm in a quite a privileged bubble. I'm quite lucky that my family support me. Like my father-in-law is a sitar player. He's done so much work in music and, and arts um, all his life. But And so he's very supportive. But I can imagine that some families, like, some Punjabi families, like my family's Punjabi Sikh family. For some families, it, I don't think they would let their daughter, daughter-in-law, um, dance Kathak. Honestly, um, I still think that there's misconceptions about it, and I still think there's a lot of politics of shame and sexuality and and what is a good woman, what is a bad woman. <laughs> There's still all of that, like I said, um, you know, from the, the wife debate, um, that's still very real in a lot of women's lives. Um, for some women, it's not. Like I said, for me, um, to dance Gathak the way that I dance it or to dance the way that I dance, my family don't have a problem with it. But it's um, for some families, I think it, it would be an issue. Okay, that kind of makes sense. And are these issues like you had to deal with, like are these like friends and family of yours you've had to deal with, like people in your Kathak circle? Um, not people in my Kathak circles that I know of directly, but mm-hmm. um, I've heard stories and and yeah, I can I can imagine what some families would say. Um, and uh, I think um, it, is, it is a question because with Kathak and even Bharatanatyam to some extent, um, you know, there's the the conversations that Rukmini Devi took um, the provocative movements out of the dance form. You know, she, she purified it in a way, mm-hmm. um, you can say. So even with Kathak, it's kind of like when it comes to comedies or romantic um, subject matter, mm-hmm. like, does it always have to be divine? Like, do we always have to be talking about Radha Krishna? Like, do we always have to be talking about bhakti? And what is Sringar? And how comfortable do people feel talking about that? Um, I know some of the you know, top dancers and most kind of learned and knowledgeable dancers are really 
um, comfortable talking about it, um, which is really nice. But um, sometimes with general society, mm-hmm. it's a bit too much for them sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And since we're talking about Radha Krishna, can you, and uh, one of the things I had noted down here is about Sheshar. Just wanted to know, like, what, what are your opinions on that aspect of it? Yeah, it was quite interesting debate quite recently, actually, mm-hmm. because of the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. So the Me Too movement, um, and especially in Indian classical music and dance, you know, there's been mm. a lot of controversy around certain teachers and gurus and who have behaved inappropriately with women, and um, you know, this whole conversation about consent and mm-hmm. what constitutes consent especially in an Indian cultural paradigm I think is a really interesting area because generally I'm generalizing here but if we if we look at Indian culture um, even from Bollywood films I think that's inspired by Chirchar a lot actually um, because Bollywood films is always like no means yes in a way like if the woman is kind of shyly saying no leave me alone or even in films like what was that um I think it was where he was just so like obsessed with her and um she was like just literally leave me alone but he would not um you know there's this kind of uh dynamic between men and women where the man thinks that he should just keep persisting. <laughs> um, so I think from Chirchar with Radha and Krishna, there's a lot of this in Kathak. We are taught about that romantic relationship um, or the way Krishna behaves is uh, not too dissimilar in the sense of, you know, um, he's pulling at their um, clothes or he's, taking the clothes away or he's he's you know throwing the stone to their mudki that breaks and all of the water comes soaking their saris and all of this whole thing it's like not far off from Bollywood films um but recently uh I think last year at Darbar festival we have a festival here in the UK really uh prestigious festival um Aditi Mangaldas spoke to the audience and she said um you know she doesn't want to perform these kind of things anymore where the the male character is refusing to kind of accept that that no from the from the female and refusing to understand the boundaries of consent um so that was quite interesting it was the first time I'd ever seen you know, a, a dancer of that stature, like, acknowledge this this issue. But the more and more I think of it, um, I've kind of come to my own conclusion on it, um, which is when we are learning these art forms such as Gathak, um, which are rooted in a specific kind of culture, have been inspired and constitute elements of a certain time period in history um in a cultural history of a geographical place such as north india um 
we have to understand that when we are learning and interpreting these themes. And from what I've understood from it, you know, even today, perhaps less so in some places, uh, the idea of men and women showing affection towards each other or showing attraction or a woman showing that she's attracted to a man in a public space where others can see is is frowned upon you know it's shameful it's like oh the woman can get some serious you know um, consequences negative consequences for showing that she is actually attracted to someone and she does want to you know engage in a relationship with with someone I think because of that, because of that society's um, view on on women and and the shame aspect of honor and shame um, with women, that's why these these devices like chedchar and these themes arise. Because ultimately, you know, in the context of Radha and Krishna, like Radha loves Krishna, <laughs> like like Radha is it you know absolutely besotted and and in love with him no matter what so ultimately deep down she does want him to you know be mischievous with her and and have that relationship with him so in that context I kind of I'm happy to I mean I don't feel too bad about performing these kind of things because she's showing her own romance in a society that condemns women for showing their you know true romantic feelings she's operating within that context the best that she can but ultimately deep down she does love Krishna she does want him to give her attention so I think that's the bottom line we have to remember like what does the Naika really want if we understand what the Naika really wants then then we can uh, (laughs) operate accordingly we can perform accordingly to that yeah, sorry, that was a bit long-winded, but I hope it made sense. Not, not at all, Sheetal. I live for these long-winded talks because then that just helps me understand what you're going through, where you're coming from, and just opens up a lot of things to talk about. Yeah. And so now that you've had this realization, and you've kind of, and you've kind of dealt with this on a daily basis, and you know you've seen other what other people say. Uh, does that for you does that change what kind of say how you approach your performances yeah I definitely say so I mean um, I had I was asked to perform at an event a couple of years ago and it was uh, the famous song from uh, Mughal Azam and uh, that particular song talks about Chedchad quite a bit, <laughs> about Krishna, you know, um, breaking the matki and, and all of that. And um, and then I was asked also to explore the character of Draupadi um, uh, this time last year um, in a performance as well. So in my own kind of work and my own research, I've been thinking about this and reflecting and reading and talking to different people deciding on how I approach it and ultimately what I've like I said what I've understood is that you have to understand that woman in the context she's in at that particular time 
And ultimately, it's about what that woman feels. You know, we need to try and bring her back to life, ultimately, not necessarily uh, force her or force certain ideas, modern ideas or other cultural ideas onto that woman. Um, Because, I mean, we don't know what they would be like in this particular context, in this particular time, like what would Radha be like in 21st century Britain? I don't know. <laughs> um, but if we understand and listen as much as we can to the women of the past in their context and their time, I think that's the best thing that we can do um, because that's ultimately what it's about. But, and and saying that, you know, uh, there's a lot of things that are relevant to now. Draupadi is relevant now. Radha is relevant now. You know, these women characters and and people of the past, like, there is a lot that we can learn from them today. But we have to fully understand their past first, I think. Okay. And uh, I guess that brings me to my next question. You said that, you'd want the uh, you'd uh, need, you'd like the woman to come alive mm, so that is very fascinating to me so what 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 are the ways you can portray someone that makes them come alive versus what you feel hasn't happened before what changes um i think it's all about research mm-hmm. um, we're all on a journey as 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 artists as gothic dancers as creatives and Aside from our tayari and, you know, our riyas, we have to do physically and mentally, we have to be ready. But I think Kathak is, is so vast that we all have work to do when it comes to Abhinaya. It comes to acting um, and really embodying certain characters and ideas. And that takes riyas too. <laughs> you know, riyas is research as well. Um, and we have to do our research uh, much in the way that actors do, I think. Um, Abhinaya is really special because it allows us to bring in that craft into our dance as well. Um, so ultimately, uh, you're connecting with something within yourself and bringing that to the surface but combining that with another theme or another character, um, you know, that you've understood as much as possible before before you perform. And, uh, but I, I think it does need to connect to something within yourself. Um, so as you research, you try and figure out how you can bring your own experiences into this to, to emote and bring that true bhav to the surface and um, that dress, you know, have that that impact on the audience. And I think something I saw Guruji say recently in a, in a live conversation, he said, you know, unless you've really experienced love or you feel love within yourself, then it's not really, he doesn't think, you know, it might not be possible for the audience to feel it. So I think it is about connecting to something within yourself first and then bringing that to the surface with the research you've done. 
Hmm. Okay. And would you, and if you don't mind sharing for yourself, uh, what are the aspects you felt in your life that you can connect to that helps you bring it back into Kathak and enhance your practice? Yeah. Um. I think it's really interesting. I mean, as a as a woman, uh, you know the the experiences of um the the characters like Draupadi and Radha and all of these things you know slightly easier to connect to because let's face it like I'd like to <laughs> I'd love to meet a woman who who hasn't felt felt afraid to walk home at night by herself you know in terms of Draupadi you're always on guard and you always have that defensiveness about you uh, you're always aware that um men could be a threat to you uh, especially when i was in india you know every single oh it seemed like every every other day there was some story about a rape case coming out when i was there last year in december and just for me going out to a concert at night by myself is um it's really it gives you a lot of anxiety uh so you know those kind of experiences you try and bring forward but um so ultimately it's easier in some senses for me to connect to a female character um but learning from guruji and even my own teacher diti ji uh learning a shiv stuti at the moment and uh guruji was teaching uh, a piece on the ramayan and and about uh, lord ram so these male characters like shiv and and ram is and even krishna to some extent is a bit more difficult for me to to uh to express and and dance so i've been trying to figure out what is this masculine energy you know how can i bring that to the surface um so i've even just been like observing the men that i know in my life like my husband like how does he walk like how does he stand <laughs> how does he like look one way and the other way <laughs> and uh you know observing certain male characters in your life or even watching things but when you really see it 360 degrees <laughs> version of it it's a bit easier to to analyze um and yeah just just observing and absorbing um will help help me to hopefully one day <laughs> um portray a convincing masculine character on stage but i don't know i think i'm a bit a long way off from that yet <laughs> okay yeah thanks for sharing that and while we're on performing when it comes to performances uh, are there any memorable performances you want to share and are there any anecdotes you'd like to share with us from your performances um I mean I I'm I'm going to be honest like I'm not that uh interested in performing it sounds really bad like in terms of if I'm practicing and learning a performing art it sounds really bad that I'm not interested in performing <laughs> um but I think what I mean is I find performances quite um short lived uh and it's it's almost seems like a stepping stone in my journey it's not anything that i focus on too much or try to try to get more performances or anything like that i mean i'm in a lucky position where i have a part time job and i i don't have to rely on gatak for my income but 
Um, so I can understand why some people have to hustle. That's fine. But um, for me, performing is, uh, I, I remember something someone said to me, which was uh, your performance level is only 15% of what you practice. So I always feel like that. I always feel like after a performance, I could have done better. Like I know when I practice, when I'm rehearsing, I'm way better than this. <laughs> so um, I think that's how I feel about performances generally. Like uh, they're just a good push, you know, for my development. Mm -hmm. And um, memorable ones. Last year, as I mentioned a little bit, um, there was a opportunity to explore Draupadi and that was uh, something really special and really difficult actually because it's such a tough character, tough situation to play um, and I was in Delhi last December and I asked Guruji for advice on how to approach this massive you know topic and and very famous scene and um the Vastraharan, sorry, so where um, Draupadi is kind of humiliated in the court in the Mahabharat. And uh, he gave me a composition that he created um, about this uh, scene. And it was a beautiful kind of recording, um, just a, a, a musical piece about from Draupadi's perspective on what was happening, telling the story. And he shared it with me before I left India last time I went there. And it was just so amazing to have that in my, you know, in my hands. <laughs> and um, it really helped me to bring the character forward. Um, it's such a such a beautiful composition. So that was really, really, really thankful and blessed to, to be able to do that. Yeah. Okay, and since you mentioned that, you know, you're not that interested in performances and we've touched upon some of the things you're interested in, but just to ask you directly, when it comes to aspects in Kathak, what aspects in Kathak are, are you interested in? Well, for me, the most interesting aspects of Kathak are how multidisciplinary it is, how it combines so many different art forms and elements together. So whenever I'm practicing Gathak or whenever I'm developing, I'm just thinking, wow, like I'm doing kind of cardio exercise here. Like it's very physical. So you're, you're sweating and you're, you know, physically working on your fitness. So that's one aspect. Um, and then the other aspect is how you're able to connect and observe your body and I find that very kind of meditative and uh, refreshing to not, you know, you're not focusing on the external, you're focusing on the internal, you're sensing on what you're sensing, what your body's doing, what your body's feeling, how it's moving, making sure you're moving in the way you want it to. So in that sense, I, I love how Gatek allows me to switch off my attention from the external world and focus on my internal world that's one thing I really love um and one of the main things is the tal and the music um I remember a tabla player a tabla teacher said to me one 
once when I was younger, like that I had a really good sense of rhythm. <laughs> and ever since that, I've just thought, maybe this is the one thing I'm good at. Like the, <laughs> the one thing that I can do in my life is actually understand rhythm. And um, it's not been too bad. I've really enjoyed it. I've been able to grasp some aspects of Lekari and Tal uh, and enjoy practicing that. So I think in aesthetics, you know, Kathak brings together the costume, lighting, aesthetics of, of what you want to portray as well. So it's a visual art, it's a physical art, it's a musical art, it's a kind of meditative art. Um, and uh, alongside that, there's so much literature to research and history and poetry. So I just love how it brings so many different things together. Um, but yeah, top three would be physical, um, meditative and musical and rhythmic aspects of Kathak. Those would be my top aspects. Okay. And when it comes to the rhythmic and Tal aspects, um, have you, do you, do you, uh, do you delve into like learning another instrument uh, since your dad is a sitar player and you said that you've been, uh, you have an eye for it. Do you, do you see yourself like learning an instrument or is that something you're doing right now? Uh, I learned a little bit um, when I was younger, a bit of, you know, mm-hmm. harmonium, this and that. Um, it's actually my father-in-law who's a star player. Oh, my bad. No, yeah, I think that's what you said. I, I messed it up. Yeah, my no, bad. it's all good. Um, so I think it's really important, actually, for Bethel Gansa to just, you know, learn a basic bit of tabla, if they can, and harmonium, if they can, learn basic aspects of singing, sargam, and uh, mus- uh, Hindustani vocal music uh i think it's really important because it just enhances your whole skill set your dance your understanding your communication with musicians when you're working with them you'll understand more about that so i am i have been trying uh, to pick up tabla <laughs> this kind of over this year and uh, still need to practice a lot more um but yeah i hope that one day I can play Teka on Tabla <laughs> and play a few simple Gata compositions on Tabla. That is, you know, what I would love to do. Uh, yeah, and in that case, hopefully you'll make it to a Tabla podcast one day as well. He's looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I just need to, um, mm-hmm. I need to put more time into that. <laughs> <laughs> And I guess next question is, since we're talking about learning, I, I know that you started a bit, uh, you you have a bit of a teaching practice going on. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. I really, really love teaching so much, but I'm just conscious that I need to, um, I, I just really want to get my own Kathak practice to a certain level so that I can teach more and, you know, do justice to the art form uh, that's one of my main goals uh, like I said I'm not that interested in performing but I'm really really interested in teaching <laughs> so um, mm-hmm. but I think before you get too busy with that or you know it's a huge responsibility it's a huge commitment so I'm just taking my time with it and uh, I've got a few students at the moment just um, who are learning for their own kind of joy and health and well-being and uh my little niece as well who's five years old and um it's it's going really well I think you know teaching online is is so difficult so different it's it's difficult in some ways but um 
it's uh it's a pretty amazing as uh, at the same time how much you can um communicate and how much people can pick up i think if you're really clear and verbal instructions are really clear you're paying attention you've got a good structure to the sessions then i think you can go uh some way in 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 learning online but i would say it's it's only um a kind of temporary uh fix or backup plan like there's it's no substitute for learning in person i would absolutely say that it's no substitute for learning in person um it's it should only kind of be a backup plan um but yeah it's going really well and i i i'm i think it's quite amazing how when you start teaching you really appreciate how your teachers have taught you and it might be some way similar to parenting <laughs> in the sense of you only when you have your own kids that you can realize how what your parents went through to some extent but um you know even now i'm just really using those devices and those instructions and breaking the movements down in the way that my teachers taught me um so it's all credit to them really we're part of this really amazing lineage <laughs> into the past of teaching kathak and um yeah i've been really inspired by reading um sarah morelli's book i think you had her on a, as a guest on your podcast yes oh. finally okay fine because <laughs> i was the first person who left a review on it and i can finally discuss that book with someone else who's also read it who's not the oh, author so that's I, great i loved it i i was absolutely transfixed and i because you were talking this year with wives and i was going to say like hey you should read that book but you you're already ahead of that so that's awesome no yeah i mean Pandit uh, Chitresh Das ji like really fascinates me because of how he instilled taal and uh, music into his teaching practice and that's something I would love to do um so that all the people who learn from me like learn you know tabla learn harmonium learn how to keep the taal and lay intrinsically within what they do um and that rigor you know that kind of uh tayari that they that they have is just incredible so i really appreciate i'm inspired a lot by pandit jitresh dasi ji's um lineage and legacy um and i i've recently uh you know teaching kids is something that's really interesting for me as well because i've seen how ballet how ballet teaches little kids ballet dancers they use all these like games and devices and imaginary things to get the kids to to dance in certain ways so i i i feel like i really want to work on that i've started to make a little kathak uh for kids book activity book <laughs> where they can like do coloring in ganesh okay like a little word search and mm-hmm. dot to dot activities on kathak cuz i just found my niece you know they love elsa and they love frozen and they love mm-hmm. uh, ballet and ballet is everywhere um mm-hmm. in terms of culturally you know they can be a princess and they can be a princess ballerina <laughs> all of this but in terms of you know getting them engaged and awakening their imagination into gothic you know what is it like to be a gothic dancer how oh, amazing magical is that you know i want to really awaken their 
imagination into that but for that you know we need we need those kind of that kind of imagery and those that kind of um fascination we need to awaken that in them so in the same way that ballet has all of this paraphernalia around it (laughs) um I feel like in Gatak we can try and bring that forward to just you know, alongside them learning, they can do colouring and they can read books about Gothic dancers, like kids' books would be amazing. And it would be so nice to have that cultural, you know, influence on on them as well as, you know, they get so much from ballet. But what do, you know, what can we offer from Gothic in that sense? Hmm. It's really interesting how excited you get about teaching, Sital. You absolutely <laughs> lit up. So, yeah, let's stay on this topic for a while because this is interesting. So uh, when it comes to like the kind of teacher you are or who you want to be, how do you see yourself? Are you going to be like super strict? Are you going to be their friend somewhere in between? Where do you see yourself in the whole spectrum? Uh, I don't know. I think the concept kind of scares me, though, because I just like I said, I feel like it's such a huge responsibility. Um, The way that I look at my teachers, the way that I look at Adityji, is like my mother literally she's like my mother my friend the things she talks to me about she gives me advice about my life and like it's it's such a deep relationship that we have um and I think you know this whole idea of a guru um when I I talk about it I talk to my students say you know you know we're gonna learn the shlok today as guru brahma guru vishnu guru devo maheshwara like all of this kind of thing. Um, and, you know, you have to be mindful of that when you're teaching. You have to understand that it's a, a, a sacred um, role and a, a practice. So for me, I'd love to be a very um, kind, compassionate, but also clear teacher <laughs> who's clear about her expectations um, and the students understand what kind of commitment is required and how ultimately it's about respect for the art form. You know, um, that's one thing I'd really, really like to instill. But one thing I've learned from, uh, just to quickly add from Guruji, I've seen him teach in Katakendra. I've seen him teach in the UK, different levels. I've seen him teach different people. I've seen his senior students interact with him. I've spoken to his senior students. And it's just amazing to me how I've, I've not seen him get outrageously angry or aggressive or strict once. I've not never seen him lose his cool uh, at all. And he's one of the most successful like teachers. I think, you know, if you look at the caliber of his students, the number of his students, how um, joyfully and passionately and how committed they are to dance. Um, It's amazing what you can achieve when you teach in that way in his way and his way is <laughs> that he's such uh he's such a joyful happy go lucky person and he's so giving so generous so kind 
that when you disappoint him, it's like the worst thing in the world. <laughs> it's literally, you just feel mm-hmm. so bad. And when he gets upset, when he gets frustrated, um, you know, it's literally, you feel like the world is, is ending. So it's like, I think you just always want to make him happy. You love him so much that you want to make him happy. And I think that's a great, a great um you know motivational thing that you respect your teacher um they respect you as a human being not as like you're my shisha I'm going to tell you what to do like well that power dynamic there's a mutual love and respect and mutual understanding between both parties so I think that's you know, that's ultimately what you want. And and I remember last thing, like what Guruji said to me, I said, do you ever get angry with your students? Like, do you ever, you know, um, and he, the, the, what he said, he said, I, um, if they work, if they're working hard and if they're honest, uh, you know, and they're working hard, then I don't, I don't, I don't say anything to them. I like, I don't get frustrated with them because, you know, they they were doing the work, they're doing their sadhana and they're, they're they're working hard and they're honest with me and there's no need to get angry or frustrated then really so I think I'll try and keep all of these things in mind as I go forward okay and in your practice have you had like an opportunity or like a moment where you had to be strict with your students so if they were not practicing and they weren't able to keep up and just to reinforce why they need to practice and things like that uh, yeah, I remember I was just shadowing. Uh, I was covering some classes for a dancer um, once. This was just like a temporary period of teaching and I was getting them ready for a performance. It was like the end of year student showcase. And uh, there was one little girl who was just, she was there, but you could just tell she didn't want to be there. <laughs> and um, okay. yeah, and it was, it was kind of... Um, you know, getting closer to the performance time and she hadn't learned what she needed to learn. She wasn't remembering the steps. She wasn't paying attention. And, you know, you do get frustrated at that point. And I was just kind of like, I just had to tell her straight. I just had to say, you know, do you want to be here or not? And I just kind of, I think I just got a bit serious with her. Right. And, um, I think I, I spoke to her mom as well afterwards and, and things like that, just to check in and see how she was feeling and things like that. But it is, it is difficult. I think, I think the most frustrating aspect probably about teaching might be when the student doesn't respect the art form. They don't respect how much effort mm-hmm. you're putting in. They don't, so they don't show that um, respect back to you that you give to them and how generous you are and how they might not understand yet um, how precious this art form is. And when I say that, I mean how much, what lengths people have to go to to learn and practice and be good at Kathak. Sometimes people don't understand that and that's sometimes the most frustrating thing. Understood. I was just like thinking about everything. But, 
uh, I guess, yeah, that kind of brings me to my kind of final question. Since you've been teaching and you've been doing and you've been learning about the history and you know and, and the rhythm aspects of it and like the physical aspect of it in terms of see future projects uh, what's coming up for you sita um hopefully the vaccine <laughs> yes. oh, oh that's coming that's coming you know placed on two companies now <laughs> yeah i know i think today in the uk the vaccine just got approved so i don't know nice crazy days but um for me what is coming up is a focus on perfecting my repertoire mm-hmm. so all the things i've learned so far in gothic i just really want to commit them into my body mm-hmm. and my long term memory so i'm just focusing on that at the moment i'm focusing on like documenting and digitizing all of my repertoire so all of mm-hmm. the compositions i've learned i'm making sure i'm you know recording them notating them and revising them dancing mm-hmm. them uh that's that's something i'm focusing on at the moment and okay. um then yeah practicing tabla learning tabla picking up vocal practice again um, uh these are all things that are really important to me but i i truly feel like i can't learn too much more new new things uh un- until i have what i've learned really solid now so i just need to take a little bit of time and do that and then i'll be ready to the new stuff i think but um carrying on practicing with my teachers mm-hmm. and that's that's the way it goes yeah lifelong journey <laughs> that's awesome she's i'm looking forward to what you come up with next we'll stay connected i'm i'm also on a personal note very interested in that activity book i'm 28 but i think i'll find some value yeah. out of it as well um, yeah i was thinking of making for my students um mm-hmm. So I've got yeah my niece who's 5 years old she's learning from me but then I've got three or four kind mm-hmm. of adult students who I'm thinking of just adapting the activity book for them okay. and over over Christmas break you know nowadays it's really like com- um popular to have mm-hmm. mindful coloring <laughs> exercises right with <laughs> the mindful coloring in the uh, gothic dances ganesh ji and saraswati <laughs> yes it's usually mandalas but it'd be fun to do like yeah. gods as well yeah yeah 